Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a guy that after he passes away, he would like to come back as RoboCop. He is the captain. Well, I'd buy that for a dollar. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we still have a little Southern Pecan Brown Ale in the fridge. This is by Lazy Magnolia Brewing. Southern Pecan has an ABV of 4.5%. Here, the pecans are used just like grain and provide a nutty characteristic and a delightful depth to the flavor profile. It's only lightly hopped, so the malt flavors come through in a big, big way. Garage grade, three and three-quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's some people to cheers. We have Danny in Springtown, Texas. Also in the great state of Texas, we have Cap checking in from Sherman, Texas. And a big shout out to Brian in Half Moon Bay. Next up, we have Patty in Milton, Ontario, Canada. And a big cheers to Alice in Colchester, UK. Next up, we have Nikki in Palos Heights, Illinois. And last but certainly not least, we have Taylor and Jackie in Cary, North Carolina. Thanks to everybody for helping us out with this week's beer fund. If you want to help us out with next week's beer money, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on that little donate button. And if you haven't ordered your tank top for this season, make sure you do so today. It's the last day to do so at truecrimegarage.com. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. We were pointing out the things and the facts that we know regarding this case, regarding evidence. We also wanted to point out a bunch of the theories that are involved. And I got to tell you, Captain, there are a lot of Mm -hmm. them theories. And, of course, 
Some are better than others, but we will go through those. I think we should also real quick go through the lack thereof evidence. As we mentioned yesterday, the actual evidence. Right. It seems like this crime was taken place outside the home, so that makes it even harder to collect the evidence. Yeah, that's what Sheriff Sills says he believes, is that the murders took place elsewhere. And we know that the body was found inside the garage. So that's a big part of the reason why I think it makes this investigation so difficult. Mm -hmm. Because this is what you would describe to be as a clean crime scene. We have a double homicide, yet we have a very clean crime scene. Well, right, and we don't know what he means by not in the house. Does he mean that the crime happened in the garage? Did the crime happen in the yard? Does he think that the crime happened in a boat? I think you're hitting on something very key to this case here. I think we have Sheriff Sills saying that the murders didn't happen inside the house. You have to wonder, is he including the garage to be a part of or a portion of the actual house itself? Or does he mean that that is outside of the house? Well, like you said, he randomly comes out with more information or more thoughts, his own thoughts of what happened. Maybe as time goes by, he'll then clear up that statement of where he thinks these crimes took place. So what they didn't find, as we mentioned, we have Sills text went over the Derman home painstakingly for both fingerprint and luminol mm-hmm. evidence, looking for blood evidence. And the sheriff at one point even made reference to lasers. So the lack of blood anywhere except the garage led the sheriff to believe that both Shirley and Russell were not killed inside the house. In the house are his words. Mm-hmm. Shirley's head wounds would have been would have caused spatter or blood spray, and she was brutally bludgeoned. None was found. Mm-hmm. We still don't know exactly how Russell was killed. We can surmise that it was a head injury as well, but again, the only blood that was found was the postmortem decapitation not the fatal damage to the skull. This leads to the obvious conclusion that possibly Russell Derman was killed by being shot in the back of the head. We did have the GSR residue on the back of the collar. Yeah, and you have to follow the evidence. Yeah, the Dermans adult children walked with Sheriff Sills through the house mm-hmm. and couldn't point to anything that was missing. We have some of the things that were found there, two Rolex watches, other jewelry, Wallets with cash, laptops, cell phones, the fancy cars, along with everything else, were all undisturbed as far as the kids knew. Nothing, it seemed, was removed from the home by the killer or killers. So what are the more popular theories in this case, Captain? There are numerous theories. There are some cases that, uh, in some of these cases, they're quite outlandish. Yeah. So we're going to list the most popular and most likely theories here for you. One, that it was a mob hit. Two, one of the Derman kids did it, the adult children. Three, it was a hired professional hit. Four, it was an extortion plot gone wrong. Five, it was someone who had a beef with one or both of the Dermans. Six, it was a case of mistaken identity. Seven, It was simply an insane psycho killer looking for a victim or victims. And eight, it was meth heads or other deranged druggies looking 
for a big score. I think that really rounds out the the most likely theories here because those are all ones that I think we both contemplated when looking through this case and what evidence is provided to us. Well, I almost want to throw away the, the last one. Druggies looking for a big score. We don't have any evidence of a perpetrator being in a house and we have all these items that could have been taken that would have been huge scores and none of them taken. Right. So where I think you give some credence to that theory about the druggies would be we have Russell Derman who was, we know that he went a couple places before he was killed. Right. One, he went to the bank, drive through at the bank. Someone could have spotted him there and thought, okay, well, this guy has cash. He's accessed some cash. I'm going to follow him home. And then we have the other situation of him picking up a prescription that very same day. That's his next errand. Right. And so you got that double whammy factor there of, okay, this guy might have cash. Uh, he, we know he went and picked up a prescription of some sort Mm -hmm. and he goes back to this big, beautiful home. So I think that's where that gets some credence. The problem with that is if that is the motive, why the hell didn't they take anything? Her prescription medication was found on the counter. We also have jewelry, expensive jewelry, jewelry, Rolex watches, cash, Things that were not taken from that house. I have to believe if it's somebody looking to score in that manner, they're not going to walk away from this situation empty-handed. And you'd think these would be quick kills and decapitation. Let's just say it. It's it's a lot of extra work. And on top of that, then you take somebody with you and then you tie bricks to their their feet mm-hmm. and to dump them somewhere else. This is... A bunch of extra work, too. Right. It, it just doesn't seem like, uh, to me, the crime scene should be sloppier if this is the motive. And as you mentioned, faster. The method of right. killing and getting the hell out of there They're in the would 80s. be faster. The, it could be a blow to each one of their heads, grab some stuff, and go. Right. The old smash and grab. So I think let's check that one off the list because it doesn't check enough boxes to to warrant being a likely situation. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So the mob hit angle, uh, Sheriff Sills admitted that this was on his list It in, you know, through the course of his first thoughts regarding this investigation. This mainly because when he saw the body in the garage had no head, one of the first things he did was he called the feds to determine whether Russell and Shirley were perhaps in a witness protection program. And he learned that, in fact, they were not. Um, Nonetheless, many people seem to online like this theory that the Dermans were possibly whacked because they both originated from New Jersey, you know, land of the Sopranos and whatnot. And some people believing that the decapitation could be seen as a mafia signature, proof of death, something like that. I, I don't know. I think that this is one of those situations where this becomes a theory when mm-hmm. all other theories fail. When you kind of run out of ideas, this seems like a move to go to. Yeah, Not so fast, my friend. I, th- I think we have the attacks happening outside of the house. Again, we don't know where Sheriff believes those to happen. But to me, the decapitation... Mm-hmm. with evidence of a gunshot is 
a sign of something. It's to send a message to somebody. Agreed. And then also two bodies in two different spots. They could have killed her and left her right beside him. Mm-hmm. They could also get decapitated her. They mm-hmm. didn't. They, they, they put her in a body of water. To me, that's a sign of something. So, again, you don't have to be a part of a witness protection program uh, to just have some connections. Correct. That maybe, for whatever reason, something went bad and, and, and now it's time to pay up. Well, I don't think that that was a method of dismissing this theory. I think it was a method of of shoring up the theory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, let's at least check this out to see if they were in witness protection. Right. Because if they were, boom, that's the angle this investigation is going to go. I don't think you can cross this one off the list for several reasons, many that you already pointed out. But one, the, the cleanliness of the crime scene, the movements of the victims. Mm-hmm. And that nothing appears to have been taken. You know, that that seems like you said, where we have a situation where somebody is getting retribution for something. There's something very strange to me that we have evidence of a gunshot wound to the head. You'd, you'd see a lot more blood. Mm-hmm. You'd see a lot more spatter. Mm-hmm. And why would you shoot somebody and then decapitate them? Right. Like that that's a, that's a I don't know. Well, as you pointed out, and that's the same thing that a lot of people point out here is that the removal of Russell's head. And and I you know, let's let's not forget that this there, is probably the most morbid case we've we we've covered. There's the there's lake no going around talking about a severed head. Well, again, we should point out though there's the lake, that very big lake nearby. Mm-hmm. I I I can agree with most people when they say that it seems likely that maybe the head was discarded of it in the lake mm-hmm. at somewhere or some point, but nonetheless, the the removal of the head is a sign of disrespect as people point out, or perhaps was a message to someone else. Mm-hmm. And some people even point out, maybe it was a message to his sons because remember his sons at some point took over the restaurant business. They, um, and there was quite a bit. He had franchises. Yeah, I think we said he had 19 franchises at one time wow. that he sold to his sons. And so if, in fact, that there was some kind of mafia ties or this was a mob hit, mm-hmm. the speculation is that maybe his restaurant business or the son's businesses, which was his at one time, somehow involved the mob or the, the mafia. Well, I understand that this is deep speculation, but... What what about a son with a gambling problem? Hmm. A lot of times they go, well, we're not killing the guy with the gambling problem because he's the only way we're going to get our money back. But we can kill his parents. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it in such a, such a malicious way that we're going to get our payment, especially if they know the person has the the money. Well, then I think that makes for a good segue into one of the other theories that we mentioned the possibility that one of the Derman kids did it. So yeah, but the tough thing here is we know that they were all questioned. We know that they were all, all of them were cooperative. We don't know of one of them lawyering it up mm-hmm. that we know of. Right. And they all took polygraph tests. Right. So you're going to tell me that all three of them are geniuses and figured out how to, 
pass the polygraph test. Well, and like you said, they were cooperative. They were all personally interviewed by Sheriff Sills, mm-hmm. face-to-face interviews separately, several times each. Um, none of them lived in the area. And their cell phone records for the days of May 1st through May 6th show that they were not anywhere near Lake Oconee. Right. Each of them, as you said, took polygraph exams. They passed those. It seems the kids were pretty close to the parents as well. The The other problem with this is that a lot of people point out that this is a likely scenario because the kids stood to benefit from their parents' deaths where no one else seemed to on the surface. Right. And some people have even said that their behavior was seen as aloof or uncaring because they all returned home very quickly after this situation. Well, I love how everybody judges how other people should react after a a death. Mm -hmm. Well, people also point out that, of course, Mm -hmm. they were intimately familiar with the Dermans' house, with their routine, and with the area. But the problem with that thought of the kids benefiting, right? So how, you know, Keith, Leslie, Brad, how would they benefit? Russell and Shirley Dermans, they provided for their children after their death. They had set up a will that would provide for all three of them to split the estate evenly in the event of their deaths. This of course could be pointed out for a motive for murder. Each one of them stood to inherit quite a bit, but the deterrent, but the Dermans were almost 90 years old. So whoever stood to inherit this money could have just waited a few more years for them to pass on naturally. Depends on how big of a pickle you're in. Well, that's interesting because it seems like nothing has come out about any of Keith Leslie or Brad having significant money troubles. Well, I wonder what the arrangement was on buying the franchises. You know know what I mean? Like, were they paying their father payments? Did they get a loan through the bank to buy these things? I, I cannot say for certain. It sounds to me like it was a pretty quick change of hands. Right, because I just wonder if if a bunch of the franchisers are failing or one of the the sons is stealing money from it and that's the reason why it's failing, well, get rid of the old man and get rid of our mother as well and, and now we don't have to pay these off. These just become ours. Right, but but here's some here's some difficulties here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but before we move on, you mentioned financial issues. Yeah. Um, there is a rumor out there. I couldn't back this up. What I, the, the only solid statement I could find was that nothing has come out about any of Keith, Leslie, or Brad having significant money troubles. The rumor that is out there is that there may have been a lien on one of their homes. I don't know which one of the children. Yeah, but the, it could be for nothing really. Some, Sometimes there's liens on people's property, like a tax lien. They they forgot to pay their property taxes, so they got a tax lien or something. It could be a mistake. Right, and that that seems like a very, man, that seems like a very small motive to kill your parents. You know what I mean? So, and the and the manner in which it's done. I mean, that has to play. That's that's evidence that we have that has to play it. Uh, a factor and when we're looking at these individuals well i but but i i could see you know some issue with your father i mean look at the 
was the one that we did, uh, the American Doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's this situation, brutal murder, cuts off the fingers of the father. Mm-hmm. That is vicious. And I think it was post-mortem, but again, we have a severed head post-mortem. Is there something in the family's past? Is there some sexual abuse that happened? Is there, was there any physical abuse that happened that would cause one of the kids to snap? If there was, there's nothing to indicate anything like that. No record of it. Every, Every bit of evidence that Sheriff Sills says that he has found regarding the family seems that they were they were close even you know even though not by proximity but they were close in that they had a loving relationship with their parents you mentioned something just a second ago though that i wanted to 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 piggyback on there Mm -hmm. you said the manner in man in the manner in which this these murders were carried out so while staying on the idea of the kids were the only ones that had financial motive to gain from the murders of their parents. Right. Let's point out that if one of them did it or all of them did it, let's say, why would they try to hide Shirley's body? Because if her body weren't found, which was most likely the intent of whoever dumped her in the lake, right. It would tie up the Dermans estate since she would have inherited from Russell, meaning mm-hmm. the kids wouldn't receive any money until she could be declared legally dead this would take place seven years after her disappearance. Well, right, but most criminals and most murderers are not geniuses, so it it might not be something they were thinking of. So, so, does that make sense? No, it makes sense, but it's again, it's. I, I see your point. I'm, I'm pointing yeah. out that if you're going to tie up the estate of the people you kill, and maybe right. they didn't know that these people are 87 years old. Right. I mean, how the how much longer are they going to live naturally without risking your, your own hide of going to prison for the rest of your life or getting the death sentence? Right. You know, because if, if she can't be declared legally dead, if she's never found, and I believe that that seems to me to be the intent of going to all that trouble to putting her in the deepest part of the lake, tying the body down, this would accomplish actually the opposite of the theoretical goal to kill the parents for money. Well, there's a gunshot. To, we, we believe. We believe. There's some evidence of it, right? So we believe there's a gunshot. So to me, it's like, did, did you take the head afterwards because you thought there was a way to trace back the gun? That's, that's a big looming question in my brain. The other one is, did you know it was the deepest part of the lake? Because to me, that would... Now we're narrowing the search because if the person knew that was the deepest part, then they have to have knowledge yes. of, of, of that lake system. I, I believe that the, the whoever did this, whoever dumped the body of Shirley, knew that that was one of the deeper parts of the lake. Yeah, and that's, that's and, a game changer. And I only say that because we went over how big the lake was. Mm-hmm. The chances of somebody just, you know, happening to that to that area just just getting to that area by luck let's say seems improbable to me improbable i guess well <laughs> and i what i also wonder you know i have um some friends that live on on rivers and 
and things like that. Uh, and obviously different neighbors that like canoe and kayaks. Uh, a lot of those individuals that use the water more, they know more about the system. But I also wondered happenstance, right? The deepest part of the water, is that also the most remote part of the water? And so is it happenstance because it, it just so happened to be a spot that there's not as many people around. Uh, again, I don't know the the water system that well. I don't know that lake in particular, but the way that that area is described to me would be an area that was somewhat familiar with or a popular fishing location within the lake. Mm. So one of the other theories that we touched upon or well, mentioned. See, then that makes you, sorry to catch you off, but that makes you wonder, is this a fisherman? Is this a hunter? Gunshot, dumping to the body. Interesting. One of the other theories is, was this a hired slash professional hit? I think there's a lot of factors in within this theory that are similar to maybe the mob hit mm-hmm. um, or a mob killing. The other thing, though, too, is you have to wonder, could the could one of the children hired have hired somebody to carry this out? so difficult because this keeps I keep going back to the fact that they're cooperative and they all pass polygraph t- tests and I would assume that during that test there's going to be did you kill your parents did you hire somebody to kill your parents right do you know of another sibling hiring somebody to kill your parents you you would assume those questions would be asked and none of the kids turned on each other at any point right. there doesn't seem to be any squabbling going on within within the ranks there Mm-hmm. And I think there's a cup. I think there's credence to this uh, theory. I think there's also a few holes with this theory. I think what you hit upon earlier of the uh, it's likely because of the GSR found on Russell's shirt. It seems that there was a gun involved and that he was likely shot in the head. Then the head is removed. That seems it seems perhaps that Russell's head may have been removed because of a bullet was lodged in it that could have been traceable to the hitman, right? And could give the police information about what type of gun was used. So this seems to be a pretty sig- significant area. I think the the motive for the head removal is as important as the motive for the murders in the first place, or why why any of this went down at all in the first place. But so this seems like seems like also a kind of a, a sophisticated killer that would say, "All right, well, I have to remove this head now because I'm I'm with this. I'm also removing evidence connecting me to the actual murder." Right. But then you have a situation where you have to factor in a mistake that was made: the weighting down of Shirley's body, which eventually comes to the surface and and then is found. And so that there is the hole in this theory where you're saying, okay, it could be a sophisticated killer that was a hit, a hired hit or professional hit on this couple. So, but also you'd think this person is removing a head in order to remove evidence. You would think one, they're not scared of cutting open a a person. So they're not scared of stabbing the individual in the stomach and the intestines to get rid of the gases that are going to bring the body up to the top. 
Well, that, among other reasons, is why Sheriff Sills is is quick to point out that, look, if this was a uh, professional hitman, they would know that a body would surface despite the concrete blocks when in advanced stages of decomposition. Then some people point out that the killers didn't care if Shirley's body surfaced, that they just wanted to buy some time to get away and cause confusion as people searched for Shirley. I like Sheriff Sills' take on this, where he says, you know, the removal of the head seems like a sophisticated hit, but under that situation, whoever carried this out would have known that, that, that Shirley's body would surface at some point. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it 
absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers. Cheers, 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 cheers. Um, So continuing along the path here, Captain, Mm -hmm. one of the theories that has been presented that I think has some weight to it is it was someone, the killer was someone or someones who had a beef with one or both of the Dermans. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, this is a very general theory and could really include anyone who crossed paths with the Dermans at any time in their long lives. I think a lot of aspects about this theory go along with some of the other theories that we've already discussed. So I don't know how much we have to spin our tires on this one because there are aspects within this theory that would fall into things like, you know, the, the mafia hit the hired hit professional hired hit mm-hmm. or the, the one of the Derman adult children did it. Right. Um, the other one that we got into a little bit and we, we just kind of referenced it in yesterday's show is that this could be a case of mistaken identity. Now, I want to point out that there is not really a lot to this theory. There's not a lot to back it up, just that the killer or killers mistook 
Shirley and Russell for someone else, someone that they had intended to rob or extort for mur- or murder for any number of reasons. With a crime this inexplicable, though, with seemingly no motive, this could be plausible. Of course, the mailbox outside of their home, it very clearly read Derman on it in very big letters. Uh, I guess if the killer arrived by boat, maybe they wouldn't have noticed that. Yeah. But it, it to me, seems, seems far-fetched. Um, it seems like, again, under this situation, the killer or killers very likely would have no ties to the Dermans themselves if it's mistaken identity. So as you pointed out several times, why all this movement with the victims? Why so much work being conducted to to lead you to murder and then to hide the murders or convolute the crime scene after the fact? It's just adding to your risk level of getting caught or seen uh, during the course of any of that of, of those actions. And I just wonder the location what if these murders took place on the water like on a boat you know what i mean because then you're not moving her from the house you're returning russell to the house mm-hmm. i got some very opinionated thoughts on on the murders themselves mm-hmm. and if i dive into that now it it won't make as much sense, but you're, you're kind of tapping on the window there of what some of my thoughts are. So another idea is that it was some type of insane psycho killer who was just looking for victims. The other thought that it would be, you know, fall under the lines of some type of thrill kill striking at random to satisfy some murderous rage, or that was the work of a serial killer I have some issues with, with that thought where I don't say it's impossible. It could certainly be the case, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me again, a lot of movements. Here's the thing. If you're going to, if you're striking at random to fulfill some murderous rage, a lot of times we've reviewed a lot of those cases, those types of cases. And when we've seen those, typically the officers describe the scene as a bloodbath. And this is not the situation at the Dermans' home at all. Right. And furthermore, it, it's not a, it doesn't appear to be any type of sex crime. There's no sexual assault or rape involved. And then on top of that, we have this too. If it's the work of the serial killer, well, where is the series of crimes? It, it, it just doesn't. Well, there's two. It just doesn't hold up to me. Right. That it, I don't think that any of those things work unless it's one of those weird situations where we have somebody that sets out to to put together this fantastical murder scene and then they just stop that that whatever for whatever it did it it cured them or it it or Satisfy, it satisfied their sat, urge exactly you know, for, exactly for now. but yeah you'd think there would be something you know within that you know closer to within that time period another murder and something similar. I keep going back to the thought that this is some type of heist. And I know that the big problem with that, and this is the problem where I keep, I keep scraping my brain here because I'm like, nothing was taken now that we know of that we know of. Let's point that. That's the problem. Yeah. 
And I'm glad that you bring that up because some of the stuff like a Rolex, that don't, that doesn't mean shit to some people. But what if they had well, there's something? Problems, there's problems with a Rolex and, and items like that too because if you're looking to turn that into money, that mm. can lead to you getting caught. Right. We don't know if they had stacks and stacks of cash somewhere. I bet there's things that their kids didn't even know about. Is there some item that they had that was worth a lot of money or possibly was worth a lot of money? Mm -hmm. Or did they have stacks and stacks of cash that maybe they didn't tell anybody about and somebody found out about it? Again, my problem with this idea is why kill her in that fashion? Why dump her into the water? Why decapitate this guy? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that to get the prize. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that to me, it points in every sign of you are going to suffer, whether it's her going to suffer or he's going to suffer. Somebody's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, here's one thing that, that I want to really kind of dive into here because I got a lot of opinions on this. All right. It's been pointed out by Sheriff Sills that he thinks, and this is after years, I mean, he says he wakes up thinking about this case. And all he can come up with is that this whole, whatever was supposed to go down, just didn't go down the way that it was supposed to. And that's why we are uh, left with so many questions, really. What little answers we do have and what little evidence we do have just adds to the long list of questions. Well, I think we have to remember that sometimes things just don't make sense, that sometimes things just don't add up. Well, his general thought is that it was the original idea was some type of heist, that this was some type of extortion plot that just went wrong. His thoughts are that Maybe whoever came to their home, they were trying to get from the Dermans either something that the Dermans just didn't have right, or didn't have access to. Could be the wrong person, like you said. Somebody well, goes and hears that this couple has something. They show up. It's the wrong house. Uh, let us into the safe. Give us this piece. What about this piece of art? Whatever it is. We don't have that. We don't know what you're talking about. That goes into gun accidentally going off, boom, killing the guy. Now we got to take his head because we we're leaving behind evidence. This is plausible. Well, I think uh, let's talk about some home invasions that we have discussed already on the show in the past. Because I think when I see the when I see the crime scene, when I when they describe what is there what is left the how mr Dr- mr derman was dressed mm-hmm. everything appears to me that this was some type of home invasion it looks to me like these two individuals were just in their home or on their property going about their day and at some point they're disrupted by who would end up being the killer or killers right. in this situation and so along that thought of a possible home invasion, in the past, the home invasions that we've covered, uh, the ones that come to mind r- right now, 
the Aurora Hammer Slayer, Colorado, 1984. Mm-hmm. This is a child rapist, child killer, Alexander Ewing. Who, he killed several people. The motive there is rape. That's why he entered the home. Right. Okay. And very likely rape and murder. This guy was was a homicidal Sicko. maniac. Yeah. Piece of shit. These also were very messy crime scenes. So we know that the, we have to go off of that rape was very likely not the motive because that did, it just didn't happen. Then we have a situation where we have like the, the Cheshire murders. We have the DC mansion murders and we have Barry and honey Sherman who we talked about. Yeah. It's still, it's still fascinating to me that the Barry and honey Sherman is not solved. Not I know yet. it just took place in 2017, this is another situation where there's a, a very clean crime scene. Uh, but the situation here is we have with the Cheshire murders, the motive was money and rape. DC Mansion murders, money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry and Honey Sherman, it's a, little, it's a little undetermined and undecided what exactly the motive was. There's thought that it could have been money, could have been for revenge. Mm-hmm. I think... Most people point to revenge as Barry seemed to have created a lot of um, work enemies throughout the throughout his career. But in the Cheshire murders, it's money and rape. DC Mansion murders, money. Barry and Honey Sherman, undetermined. Mm-hmm. Possibly revenge. So when we look at all those cases, when we look at those four cases, the only possibilities that we're left with is that the motive would be money and or revenge. Right. So let's kind of table table that just for a moment. And and just kind of can we agree that the most likely motive here is either money or revenge or both? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I'm going to kind of just throw out there, I don't have any answers to this. I, I've 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 been trying to come up with answers for this for the past few days. Every time I come up with what I think is a good answer. I then realized that it's probably not. But one thing that, that Sheriff Sills has said in some of his interviews that I think is incredibly interesting. Remember we have the neighbor who says that they saw a man in the Dermans' yard on that Saturday. Yeah. And remember we said, well, do, can we believe this witness or not? And we have Sheriff Sills on record in front of the camera saying he believes this individual. And when asked why he believes this individual, he says, I believe them because of what they didn't see. Tells me that they are telling the truth. I don't know what that means. Right. I think what it could mean is that law enforcement does have something, some piece of evidence that they have not told us about to indicate that there is some something of fact that they know that this individual was able to tell them was not on this person or with this person that they saw mm-hmm. to back that up. So if Sheriff Sills believes this individual, I believe this individual. So where I go to with this extortion plot gone wrong, think about both the DC mansion murders and the Cheshire murders. What happened in both of those situations? Both of those were were well-to-do families. And the D.C. Mansion murders, those people were extremely wealthy. But in both situations, 
when the killers got into the home, what did they find? Especially in the Cheshire murders, they found that there wasn't a bunch of valuable things in here or their items. And we don't want to leave with items. We need cash. Right. And in the Cheshire case, there was no cash in the house. Mm -hmm. We get to the DC mansion murders. There was cash in the house, but, uh, there were guns in that same location. The victim didn't want this man to be, to know that there were guns in the house right. because likely the offender was going to get to those guns before he was going to get to those guns. Mm-hmm. So in both cases, we have a situation where somebody spots this fancy house of these well-to-do people and they assume that there might be a pile of cash inside the house. Then they get into the situation and they realize that it's not that. And now, holy shit, my plan is not going to work out the way that I thought it would be. I actually think in this situation, we're probably dealing with somewhat of some, maybe some slightly sophisticated people in the sense that I think they put a lot of time and effort into the thoughts of carrying out how they were going to extort these people. Mm -hmm. I think that the evidence will point that this was very likely the situation. I think that Russell was held at the home and in the garage. I actually believe he was very likely shot with a single shot to the head in the garage. And I think that, yes, there there's not a whole lot of evidence to suggest that, mm-hmm. but there are ways to go about that to help um, make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And in the course of that, then now we have the body that was moved slightly, head removed, and then then towels put down so that the blood would not seep out from the garage door onto, onto the driveway, which may alert somebody that something horrible has happened in, inside this house. But I think what went down is, and this is a little complicated, but I think somebody pulled up in a boat near their home or even possibly at their dock, went into the house and it had to have been more than one person under my scenario. Right. I think Shirley was removed from the home. And I think Russell was kept at the home. And I think that whatever they thought they were going to get from these people, they could extort it through Russell by saying, we've got your wife elsewhere. Yeah, she's on the boat. She's on a boat and out on this big lake. And furthermore, we can take her wherever we want to at this point. Mm-hmm. You, we need you to stay here, stay behind so we can get from you whatever it is we came to intended to get. And yeah. I think, that, I think that then what happened was that they realized this is not so simple that just like the Cheshire murders and the DC mansion murders, shit, whatever we came to get, they don't have that in this house. Yeah. Or the fact that Russell was a world war two vet and, maybe took his chances. I think that plays into it. And we're talking about people that didn't even have ATM cards. So then what if they, what if the killer finds himself in a situation where not only do they not have what I came here to get, they can't easily access it without, or gain access to it without me getting noticed. Right. You know, because let's let's go in your garage, let's get in your car so we could go to the ATM and you can get me some money since you don't have any money here. I don't have an ATM card. Mm-hmm. Are you lying to me, old man? No, I don't have one. I'm with you. I think that Russ, being a World War II vet, I think at some point he turned 
and he went after this person. Yeah. And I think that that led to his demise. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. No, because I think you need to. Yeah. I, I think, look, in a lot of these cases, if you don't go after the person, you have no chance. And I just keep hearing about these cases when I'm talking to these detectives and, and cops working on new cases for the show. And they'll say, yeah, this guy uh, kidnapped this girl and she had 10, 12 chances to run and never did. Mm-hmm. Or had five or six chances to fight back and she never did. And and they still caught the person, but but she might have been able to save her own life. Mm-hmm. And I just can't get over that, you know the the percentages uh, you know are not in your favor if you don't fight back in the dc case they had to have somebody bring money to the home to pay the person that was holding them captive yeah the dermans likely didn't have somebody to do this in the cheshire case they took the mother to the bank and had her withdraw money yeah and they picked they picked up one of the individuals on surveillance and the mother was brave enough to tip off the people at the bank, which ended up leading to the capture and arrest of the two individuals that carried out those horrible crimes. I think we have a situation where maybe the offenders got into a situation where they realized this isn't going to go the way that I, I want. And when it wasn't going the way that they wanted, they either carried out one of their threats against Shirley. And that's when Russell lashed out or that it just the situation just got murky and russell last latched out we're, we're talking about world war ii veteran we're we're talking about these A were man is in his 80s yeah we're, we're i understand that he's old but we're talking about a generation of men and women that that saved the entire world mm-hmm. i mean think about that for a minute Th- these are people that aren't going to back down and what I think happened here is that these individuals very likely got away with very little, if anything, from the home and murdered two people for no reason at all at the end of the day with no gain. Mm-hmm. And the two-person theory makes quite a bit of sense. But I feel like it's also a risky move because if you have her out on the water, it seems like you could be surrounded easier i think very likely the movement of the victims would be by some type of design and by necessity these outcomes are the result of a designed attack structured by resources and tools that the offenders had with them the killer killers accessed and left the property in my opinion via boat so that means that one of the offenders either owned or borrowed a boat at the time of these murders. I think that these men are not criminals in the sense that they are not thugs, but I think they do have some form of street smarts. I think there's probably a leader of this group and people closest to him, like his, his wife or girlfriend will know him to be a liar, manipulative. He is some form of a small gambler. He is someone that not only believes in cheating the system, he likely brags to his significant other about stealing from his employer, whether it be money, materials, or time. 
I think it's also somebody that hates authority because through his delusional opinion of himself and his intelligence, he thinks he is the authority. I think the important thing here to keep in mind and to really focus on are some factors of who's who these guys could be. I think that at least two or more of these guys are probably into hunting and fishing. At least one of them owned a boat at the time of the murders or borrowed one from someone that he is close to. And I think that that's where you might be able to get the crack in your case. Where if we have somebody that can come forward and say, look, I know so-and-so and they were out with their buddies on a quote-unquote fishing trip and gone for a large portion of that day or gone for a long period of time. And maybe when that individual returned, they weren't the same. Mm-hmm. So the boat, I think, is the key to to finding this person. And like you, Captain, I believe that at least one of these individuals had a good knowledge, a good understanding of that lake. And for that, I feel that out of our offenders, I believe that at least two of them were somewhat local to this crime meaning that they lived in one of the four counties where Lake Oconee is. This may also require them to drive and own some type of vehicle that would allow them to move a boat. Where this case could get some legs is if, in fact, there were multiple multiple offenders. As I pointed out, there very likely was one leader or leaders amongst that group. I think that somewhere in that group, there might be somebody who is somewhat of a victim themselves, even though they went along with this plot. I think that it's somebody that was told that we are not going to hurt anybody. We have nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. All we're going to do is go out there and we're going to make some money. And at the end of the day, that didn't happen. And at the end of the day, two people were brutally murdered. I think that there's a chance that this individual feels that they've been bullied because of that situation. They went along with something they didn't fully understand, something they didn't fully agree with. They've remained quiet to this day, probably out of fear of the leader or the others in the group. What we need is somebody that knows one of these individuals, that knew that they were out on the water that day, that knows them to be truly a despicable person to come forward with that information, give that name so they can be looked at, so they can be interviewed. Or we need one member of that group to break rank and to come forward and not allow the others in the group to bully them or threaten them further and say, look, this is what I did. This is who was involved. This is how and why we did it. And turn those other individuals in. One, that's the only way you're ever going to free yourself of the threat of bodily harm or murder to yourself. And two, this is something you probably feel extremely guilty for, and you should. But coming forward and telling the truth is the first step in freeing yourself of the weight of that guilt. Now, five years after the murders, we still have very few clues as to who murdered Russell and Shirley Derman. We don't know why or fully how or when these brutal attacks on this couple occurred. But there may be some hope. 
as of March 2019. Sheriff Sills says he has a gut feeling about who is responsible for the murders. Mm-hmm. Intuition based on his decades as a lawman. He says these are two people who have been interviewed and who have refused polygraph test. Mm-hmm. He told the media as far back as May 2015 that he had a person of interest who had not been truthful with him, but he doesn't have enough to elevate that person to a suspect. Sheriff Sills has always said that he believed the case involved more than one killer and that it was someone who knew the Dermans or whom the Dermans likely knew in return. He adds, this was a planned target attack, not randomized violence. But it is also indicative of a local, someone very familiar with the lake. He says he is convinced the killers arrived by boat, but in recent months he says he's less sure of that. But we know that he has at least one piece of forensic evidence that he will not reveal. Mm-hmm. Sills has likened this case to that of Tara Grinstead which broke after a phone call to police 12 years after the fact and resulted in the arrest of two suspects who were not on investigators' radar. Just like the frustrated sheriff and the Derman family, all we can do now is wait to see if something breaks. All right, and make sure you check us out on the Stitcher app It's free. You can get all of our old episodes and check out our other show, Off the Record, available only on Stitcher Premium. Until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.